I'm going to be honest with you guys. I had a tough time writing this sermon. It's not just because I'm a vicar and pastor isn't here. It's not because it's a hard text, because it's not. I didn't even get writer's block. In fact, it was the exact opposite of writer's block. I couldn't quit writing. There's so much information packed in these 12 verses from Luke that you could write 12 different sermons and not repeat yourself once. But I decided to be nice and to spare you guys from listening to me ramble on for two and a half hours trying to pack those 12 sermons into one. So you're welcome. Instead, what we're going to do is we're just going to focus on the very last verse of our section for this morning. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Now, it's pretty amazing to watch kids grow up, isn't it? Those of you who are blessed to be parents certainly understand what I'm saying. Even those of you who aren't parents yet have seen kids grow up in your own lives, even here at Cross of Life. You've seen them grow from little babies to high school and university graduates. And it's not just watching them grow bigger and taller that's exciting. You get to watch them grow smarter and wiser and more mature. I've only been here for four months, but I've already seen the kids of our congregation growing up. Now, we've all seen our own kids, maybe grandkids, godchildren, nieces, nephews, our friends' children grow up during our lifetimes. But what do you think it was like to watch Jesus grow up? Last week, we celebrated Jesus' birth. On Sunday, with our children's pageant, and then again Monday night with our Christmas Eve service. We saw the angels, we saw the shepherds and the wise men. But what happened after they left? What happened when the angels went back into heaven and the shepherds went back to their fields, the wise men back to their country? We don't have a lot of information about those 30 years in between Jesus' birth and the start of his ministry. But Luke gives us all the information that God wants us to know about the early years of his son. Luke continues his familiar nativity story in chapter 2 with a very important event in the life of Jesus. Now Mary and Joseph were good, God-fearing parents. It was their custom to go up to Jerusalem every year for the celebration of the Passover. There were three major festivals in the Jewish year that it was required or strongly encouraged that every family celebrate in Jerusalem. But not every family could set aside the time to make the long trip to Jerusalem. But we're told that Mary and Joseph had the habit and the custom of at least going to Jerusalem for the Passover. So they were setting a good Christian example for their family by putting God's word as first priority in their lives. They knew what God's law asked them to do, and they were following that law. Now think about that for a second. The earthly parents of the Son of God knew how important it was 
to have the Word of God at the center of their example. But let's not get carried away with giving Mary and Joseph too much credit. Because they were good Christian parents, that's for sure. But does that mean they were the perfect parents? What does our message lesson tell us? They lost Jesus. They, they took their son for granted, and they actually forgot about him. Which shouldn't be surprising, because Mary and Joseph were sinful, just like each and every one of us. On Christmas Eve, Pastor focused us on the first chapter of Matthew, where we have that long list of names of Jesus' ancestors. Do you remember what kind of people we found in that list? Prostitutes, adulterers, liars, murderers, even Gentiles. Those people certainly weren't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but they were God-fearing believers who were looking forward to the coming of their Messiah. So we can cut Mary and Joseph a little bit of slack, don't you think? All right, I know. Jesus was the Son of God. How do you lose God? Can you imagine what was running through their heads at that time? What is God going to say when he found out we lost his son? But Mary and Joseph took their son for granted, and they forgot about him. They did lose him. And it kind of has that home alone feeling to it, doesn't it? The um, Mary and Joseph leaving Jerusalem to go back home. Um, Kevin McAllister's parents leaving on a family vacation to France and leaving him in the attic. And then when they finally realize that somebody's missing, they start the frantic search, to, you know, looking for him in the airport, the airplane, even the motel, can't find him. Same with Mary and Joseph. They look among their family and friends for a whole day and can't find Jesus, so they go back to Jerusalem. The McAllisters find Kevin, thankfully, safe and sound at home. And Mary and Joseph find Jesus back at home as well. There's a lot of similarities between the two. But we can understand what Mary and Joseph were feeling, what they were going through. There are also times in our lives when we lose Jesus too. We get distracted by the people around us. We start doing our own thing and going our own way. We start thinking that Jesus is always going to be there, tagging along right with us, no matter which path we choose, no matter what decisions we make in life. And he's going to be right there with us, saying everything's okay. But we need to be careful that we don't become careless like Mary and Joseph. When they realized he wasn't with them, they started to panic. And the same goes with us. When we realize that we're going our own way and doing our own thing and all of a sudden things don't seem to be going our way, we turn around and we don't see Jesus anymore because we've strayed too far from his straight and narrow path. So then where do we find Jesus again? Well, where did Mary and Joseph find Jesus after a day of looking among their family and friends 
and three more days of scouring the entire city of Jerusalem. They found Jesus in the temple, right where he knew he needed to be. And that's exactly where we find Jesus every time, too. We know exactly where to find him. So in a way, we never actually lose Jesus, do we? We forget about him. We misplace him. We take him for granted. That's because our focus and our priorities get messed up. We start focusing on ourselves and our wants and our desires. What we need to do is refocus on what's most important, and that's being in God's house, doing God's business. We need to be studying God's word and sharing that word with others, which is exactly what Jesus was doing in the temple. At 12 years old, a Jewish boy was considered old enough to participate in all the activities and the work of the church. So it's not too surprising to find Jesus sitting with the teachers of the law and learning the word of God from them. But what is surprising is that Jesus wasn't just sitting there listening and learning to what these doctors of theology had to tell him. He was actually actively engaged in discussions with them. He wasn't just sitting and listening. He was debating with them, discussing. And Luke tells us something interesting in verse 47. He tells us, everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. So Jesus wasn't just sitting there like a sponge, soaking up all their information and their knowledge, taking notes. He was demonstrating his own wisdom and his own understanding as the Son of God even at age 12. Now I know there are certainly smart 12-year-olds. We have some in our own congregation. But have you ever heard of a 12-year-old amazing doctors of theology who have done nothing but study God's word year after year? I haven't heard of anything like that. There are certainly child prodigies who are blessed with special gifts and abilities. But Jesus wasn't a child prodigy. He was the Son of God. He was the all-knowing, all-wise God, the doctor above all doctors. He was true God and true man at the very same time, even at age 12. As true God, Jesus knew everything and had to learn nothing. But as true man, Jesus knew nothing and had to learn everything. He had to learn just like you and I learn. He had to grow up physically and mentally and spiritually just like you and I do. But he had all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the power of God, even as a young boy. It's hard, to us, it's hard for us to understand and, and to explain, but that's the miracle of the boy Jesus. And it's not just his knowledge and his understanding that was amazing. Listen again to Jesus' answer that he gives Mary and Joseph when they said they had been looking for him. 
why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? My father's house. That's with a capital F. Not Joseph's house. Not Mary's house. God's house. Even at the age of 12, Jesus knew why he had come to this earth. He knew his mission, and he knew where he had to be to carry out that mission. He didn't mean just sitting in the building of the temple. Being in God's house and being about his father's business involves so much more than sitting in a building somewhere. Being about God's business means being in the word, studying the word, and sharing that word with others. And that's what Jesus was doing in the temple. He was learning, and he was also teaching God's word to men who had studied the word of God their whole lives. But the amazing thing is, was that that same word that they were studying was sitting right in front of them as a 12-year-old boy. The word incarnate, sitting there, teaching them about himself. Those doctors of theology were being taught by the master teacher. Jesus had the full knowledge and wisdom of God, even as a 12-year-old boy. But he didn't make full use of that wisdom and that knowledge. He still had to learn, like each and every one of us. He had to grow up just like we grow up. He had to grow physically, mentally, and spiritually. But that was all part of the plan. He became just like us because he had to do what we cannot do. Jesus was perfect. He never failed. He never had a moment of weakness. He never got angry at his parents. He never disobeyed them. He never wavered in carrying out his father's plan of salvation for you and for me. Jesus didn't just obey his parents because it was the right thing to do. He had to obey Mary and Joseph perfectly because you and I cannot do anything perfectly. That's why he came to this earth. That's why, as a young child, he knew his mission and was carrying out that mission perfectly. Jesus wasn't just a child prodigy or a smart kid or even just a good kid. He was the Son of God. He was perfect, even as that little baby and as that young man in Jerusalem. He grew up just like a normal child, just like you and me. He had normal teenage years. He was a normal young adult. But with that one huge difference, he was perfect. He grew up perfectly. He learned perfectly. He did everything as a young baby, as a young man, perfectly. He never sassed his parents. He never even got angry with his parents, ever. He never got in fights with the other kids in Nazareth. He never got into fights or caused problems for the police. 
he did everything growing up perfectly. But more than that, we're told in our last verse of our lesson this morning that Jesus grew in favor with God and men. People, it's safe to say that people liked Jesus as he was growing up. There was something different about him and they knew it. They saw how he acted. They saw how he obeyed his parents and treated everyone with love and respect. That's how Jesus grew in favor with men. But what does it mean that he grew in favor with God? How is that possible? Wouldn't he already have all of God's favor? The answer to that question is in everything that we just talked about. At 12 years old, Jesus knew the reason he came to this earth. He knew he had to live perfectly for you and for me. He had to be in his father's house doing his father's will as his father commanded him to and as his father wanted him to. He understood that. And that's why he grew in favor with God. That's why God the Father, when Jesus was baptized, was able to say, You are my son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Jesus is our ultimate example for growing strong, not just physically and mentally, but also spiritually. In order for us to grow up, we tend to think that we need to grow in favor with men. We want to have a good reputation, a good relationship with people. That's understandable. But that's only going to happen if we grow in favor with God first. King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Even though King Solomon understood that earthly wisdom and knowledge are important and useful, they're altogether worthless if you don't have the fear and the wisdom of God first. One of our goals here at Cross of Life is to educate kids and young adults in the Word of God as a basis for other learning. The learning kids receive in, in school is good and useful and beneficial, but it's also more important for them to learn about God's Word first and foremost. That's how they will grow in favor with God and with men also. Now as we enter into a new year, let's keep this short story about the young boy Jesus in our hearts and minds. As we go forward, hopefully that Christmas joy hasn't left your hearts yet. Hopefully it's still in there. May it live in our hearts and then show itself in our lives as we go about our Father's business in this new year. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. May we too take that example to heart as we grow in wisdom and in favor with God and men and as we go about our Father's business in the new year with joyful and willing hearts. Amen. And now the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.